Hello and welcome to the Medjlis Podcast, Radio for Europe, Radio Liberty's current affairs talk show focusing on Central Asia. I'm Bruce Pinner, host of the Medjlis and author of the weekly Central Asia and Focus newsletter. The Kyrgyz government's announcement of a new tax regime for merchants at markets and bazaars in the country and a requirement they all use cash registers to record transactions sparked nearly a week of protest that spread through Kyrgyzstan. President Sadr Japarov and his friend, the chief of the National Committee for State Security, Kamchibek Tashiev, appeared to have effectively shot, shut down most public gatherings to express discontent, so the merchants' protests came as something of a surprise. Or maybe it was not a surprise at all, but merely a sign that protest culture in Kyrgyzstan, as embattled as it has been in the last two years, is still alive and well, despite authorities' attempts to extinguish it. To discuss all this, I am joined by Asel Duolet Keldieva, a non-resident fellow at George Washington University, and Medit Tuyugena, senior research fellow at the University of Central Asia in Bishkek. Thank you both for joining me. Um, Medit, I'd like to start with you. Can you kind of run us through what the what the problems were with this, what sparked these protests at the bazaars and markets throughout Kyrgyzstan? I mean, I made very brief reference to it. Mm-hmm. Hi, Bruce. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I, I think uh, when we look at this uh, protest, it's indeed something which is interesting because for most of the last at least two years, we haven't seen widespread and big protests because with the shrinking civic space and with the repression going against possible and, and any possible actions and uh, against the political opposition civic activists that what we witness uh, in last uh, few days or week or so it's uh, quite remarkable maybe because uh, this protest which uh, was mostly organized and participated by different traders of different bazaars Dordo and some others was uh, uh, going against introduction of these electronic cashier machines, which has been introduced by the government since last year. And it was a bit of clumsy and awkward process uh, in terms of the introduction. And uh, traders were <laughs> unhappy with that. And it's not only about this uh, control cashier machines, but also with this uh, specific electronic uh, system which uh, tracks uh, supply and uh, movement of goods which comes to and from any traders, which is a bit of a cumbersome process, as I understand. And that was these traders were complaining about. And uh, that's something which uh, government has introduced since last year in terms of its uh, new taxation regime, which they announced to make things more transparent and uh, visible in terms of uh, how how much people are earning, what income and what is the turnover of the (coughs) revenues and uh, how different supplies and goods, starting from customs, go and uh, move around from uh, big retail, big uh, retailers to the small retailers, and then further to the customers. And that affects, of course, big bazaars, starting from Caraso in the south, Dordo in the north, and many others. And that's what uh, these traders were unhappy about. And yesterday, as some people have been following, it was also interesting process in terms of President Japarov visiting uh, traders who gathered in Dordoy and try to talk with them about this issue. And uh, this almost an hour of meeting was also interesting and full of various uh, things in terms of what traders weren't happy about and how President was trying to talk to them and try to accommodate uh, their grievances. And of course, most, most of the grievances which they expressed, it was about uh, not so much as, at least as in the way they said, it's about uh, unwillingness to pay 
money in an obvious and a clear way, but it's, about, it, it's mostly about the way how this, this process is quite cumbersome. And uh, for example, they've been demanding, and that's something which they've been shouting. If you hear this uh, uh, protest and see on the news, it's mostly it's all like what's, what's, what they've been mostly shouting as long as like a patent, patent, patent. Like they've been trying to persuade to leave the patent system which was quite easy and simple process. How individual entrepreneurs in the bazaars as traders, they have registered as interpreters and the ways how they've been paying their taxes. Because instead of patents, they've been trying to be moved from patents to become individual interpreters. And for that, of course, they need to be registered, they need to report quarterly, they need to follow quite a, a bit more detailed bureaucratic process, which they were not happy about. Just maybe that's in the nutshell. Great, thank you. Uh, so, were you surprised at this protest, and and what what do you think uh, was unique about this that actually galvanized so many people together? Thanks for having me. I think this is a fascinating, actually, topic: the bazaars and what they mean for Central Asian economies. I would probably would first start highlighting the role of of bazaars for basically stabilizing. Um, the social life um, since the early years of independence when the Soviet Union collapsed and uh, bazaar economy became the main source of income for hundreds thousands of people and entire families were feeding from bazaars. So Kyrgyzstan, particularly in that Central Asian uh, region, occupies an important place due to this transit zone um, next to, the, to China. And uh, such bazaars as Dordoi and Karasu were historically the largest bazaars in the region, not only for Kyrgyzstan. So what Japarov's administration now tr is trying to do is kind of formalize their, uh, the trade at these bazaars, as Medet rightly um, highlighted, began last year. And so um, the, when the government uh, began this uh, work on basically bringing some of these taxing regimes together and also uh, enhancing the state capacity of collecting taxes and therefore targeting the bazaars as one of their ways uh, to enhance taxes last year, um, actually, we already saw protests happening there. But I think because the, the old taxing regime came to the end with this year, we see now the spike in protests um, in bazaars. So in that regard, it's not surprising at all that we see now a major discontent uh, among um, within this uh, sector of economy. Why also this is not surprising is that kind of this um, governmental reform looks a little bit clumsy, if you want, because uh, the government claims one thing, but then does there something different. And th there is this dichotomy there, uh, discrepancy between the discourse and, and the, the, the deeds. So what I'm trying to say is that the government says that it wants to uh, fight corruption, that it wants to uh, make the rich pay uh, more taxes, it wants to kind of um, struggle against inequalities and stuff like that, but then somehow it's targeted 
targets the ordinary uh, sellers at these bazaars. So the, the picture is quite confusing because the discourse really targets the rich people, the owners of these bazaars, the well-known oligarchs that have made fortunes over there the past decades by owning parts of these bazaars. But then we see the protests which are organized and mainly staged by ordinary, uh, really kind of small-scale entrepreneurs, right? So it is quite fuzzy picture what exactly is going on there. But I could see that maybe the reform had a good intention by kind of, I don't know, um, collecting taxes for the Kyrgyz state is very important uh, because uh, there, there are, the Kyrgyz state doesn't have other kind of resources such as Kazakhstan oil and gas. So taxes are very central to this administration. But then targeting small indivi uh, individual entrepreneurs, this is not the way the reform should be starting. Um, the reform should be uh, starting in, in other places. Like it's very easy to collect taxes for the state somewhere else. Start with parking lots, start with uh, enhancing uh, taxes on land and many other places where it's very easy to make money for the state. So there is this discrepancy between discourse and the, how then the uh, reform actually went through. And therefore, it's not surprising at all to see now these protests. Okay, let me follow up uh, uh, with this for you, uh, Asel, and then I'll, I'll ask Medit the same question. Now, the government's handling of this has been very, very strange. When uh, Japarov appeared at Dordoy, he seemed very conciliatory. He said, we will put off the new tax regime for a while until and it's not maybe not, not as well developed as it should be. We'll, we'll suspend it for a little while. And then later he started to say, well, you know, a lot of these protesters were paid off by somebody. And then he suggested maybe they would have to introduce external management on the markets and bazaars of Kyrgyzstan in the same way that they did over the Kumtor gold mine. Uh, Kamchibek Kamchibek Tashiev was kind of the same way where he was trying to say, we're only going after the rich people. Uh, you know, we're, we're actually on the side of the, the regular, the small merchant working in the bazaar. They seem to be trying to come up with a common, a common narrative for what just happened here. Why was, why was this so confusing? Why wasn't this clearer when they, they announced they were going to, uh, introduce the tax regime? They, they themselves seem to have, very different versions of what these protests were all about and what needs to be done to address them. Absolutely. Um, and that's why this, um, that's why for me, for the moment, this is quite a confusing picture. There are two discourses there. One discourse uh, is that, uh, okay, let's bring the rich to responsibility. Let's them pay them more taxes. They have to give back society what they took. That's one discourse, and this populist discourse was is not new, by the way. Um, it's something that uh, has been very central to the rise of uh, Japarov to power in 2020, when he came himself on the wave of a popular revolution. Not to forget that, while now he's kind of um, really paranoid about another revolution to take place in Kyrgyzstan and is trying to repress any social movement, any discontent, as Medet uh, highlighted before. So... Um, so one discourse is about okay, about the rich that uh, they we have to gain attain to social justice and uh, we have to fight against inequalities and one way of doing that is to make the rich pay more. 
But then the reform targets, as we see now, uh, the, the, the small merchants, right? And what then Sadr Japarov and uh, Kamchebek Tashiv announced that the, uh, later on by saying that if this protest do not stop, we're just going to introduce their external management. It's, for me, it's a sign of basically that they're not managing this. They are afraid. So they're not managing to push through this reform or um, they're not managing to basically have negotiations with the elites who own the bazaars. I would imagine uh, that this is quite an important number of uh, oligarchs because the bazaar economy is simply very large in Kyrgyzstan. And um, so either the negotiations with them are kind of not to their liking or they're afraid that this protest will take such an unprecedented wave that can even sweep uh, sweep their power away. Uh, That's why they are now threatening with this external management. So that's how it's, uh, for me, it looks like for the moment. But this is also kind of a position of um, weakness, I would say, because one way is to introduce external management to Kumtor, but to close, kind of to now attempt to control the bazaars, uh, to take them under control, this kind of a completely different matter, because this would involve, I don't know, one at least one third of population in Kyrgyzstan. And uh, that is quite risky. That is a really potentially a quite um, significant political threat. Uh-huh. Thank you. And Medit, same. You know, I'd like to get your response to this too. I was thinking that also that how how can it, it, imposing external management over one project, uh, the gold mine, is one thing. It, imposing external management over the whole network of bazaars and markets is another. And and what's your opinion on the government's responses? Like I said, on the one hand, they seem to be saying we understand your pain, common man, and then all of a sudden they say, but if you don't stop this protesting, we're going to inflict more pain on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think on one side, maybe it will be like a, a common mantra. Once it's <clears throat> become already accustomed to talk about the Kumtor, so why not to reintroduce the same formula maybe to another sector, like bazaars? Of course, it may sound strange, but I would think that, uh, especially when uh, Japarov, I mean, President Japarov yesterday came to traders in Dordoy Bazaar and talked to them and talk, mentioned about this external management, I think the overall uh, rhetoric of president at that meeting in general, I think it was uh, maybe going along these uh, lines, which I said already mentioned, lines which uh, trying to highlight the populistic uh, nature of the regime, because he was trying to maybe diffuse the blame and attribute the blame to the big owners of bazaars. And maybe that goes also together and resonates with what uh, Tashiev, I think yesterday, it was just recently, he mentioned about uh, the same um, protest in bazaars and was naming just uh, bluntly quite a number of names who are owning bazaars uh, from Karasu to Ocean to, sorry, from Karasu to Dordoy and many other bazaars. And I think it, yesterday's uh, Japarov speech was uh, trying to maybe diffuse attention from the government and try to say that, well, the blame attribution should go towards these big owners of bazaars. And in that sense, he was trying to sideline with protesters, saying that, well, maybe you are, and he was all quite often sometimes referring to them as like a Karapayan alist, like my pure people, ordinary people, and in that sense, trying to separate them from uh, those who own 
big chunks of bazaars owning bazaars and maybe owning all this uh, in mass these containers who are then rented to these uh, traders so in that sense he was trying to maybe sideline partially with these people maybe trying to argue with them and then trying to maybe dissuade them to take maybe any drastic actions and trying to persuade them that the government is trying to take care of them and i think uh, it was uh, on one side uh, his move trying to show that uh, well we understand as people and maybe i'm personally as a not not we as a government but i personally as a president i understand you pain as common people and i also can blame the government and he was accusing us as the tax authorities that they're not doing enough their job and uh, in that sense he was trying maybe to mitigate on one side the angriness of these people on one side trying to show that he is with them and in that sense trying to bolden his populistic regime and uh, maybe on the other side maybe it also paves the way for further process of what we call here in Kyrgyzstan kustarizatsiya it meaning that uh, sometimes extortion of money from all the people in different ways and maybe whatever is looming ahead maybe it will be another way of trying to extort money from the big owners of bazaars uh, just to follow up uh, after this uh, protest in different uh, locations in trading place in bazaars like uh, in Ordo and some other places so in that sense maybe external management is a certain maybe at least could be a signal to the big owners of bazaars to be accommodating to the government and trying to deal with uh, to whatever extent they control with the uh, protesting mood and contentious mood of uh, all, uh, different traders within these bazaars. On the other side, maybe it's a forewarning signal that, well, something which may come further, it's another wave of extortion of money by the government from this uh, another bunch of wealthy people who are owners of bazaars. Uh, a reminder, we're talking about the recent bazaar protests in Kyrgyzstan and what they say about protest culture in the country. And my guests are Meta Tleogenov, Senior Research Fellow at the University of Central Asia in Bishkek and Asel Dualat Kodiova, non-resident fellow at George Washington University. Uh, Medit, let me get to you with this first. Uh, are, were you kind of surprised? I mean, uh, the fact that there were protests at all. Uh, the government has been pretty effective since the passing of the new constitution at, at really clamping down on any voices of, of discontent in the country. I mean, we know about the Kampirabad affair last year, and, and those people are still, most of those people are either under house arrest or still in jail. Uh, they're even going after people on the internet who criticize the government. It, it seemed to a lot of people, it seemed to me anyway, that maybe maybe they'd been finally succeeded in stamping out protests, and yet we saw this. Uh, what, are the, what do you think about that? Well, I think, yes, indeed, during this last two years, uh, the government was able to climb down on any possibility of dissent especially when it comes in the protest-type uh, activities, like uh, marches and demonstrations and so forth. But not only, as you mentioned, it's any protest, even in social media, in the internet, and in other possible ways. And the last <clears throat> outburst of protest we've seen just uh, two years ago was the adoption of the Constitution, and there was this protest against this so-called Han institution, referring to the Han as a attempt to introduce a vertical and centralized power in the constitution. But since then, we didn't see any protests. And indeed, the government was uh, repressing quite heavily on protests. But uh, seemingly, maybe the government didn't, uh, maybe they didn't uh, estimate properly the possibility of dissent and the contention within the business uh, sector of the, of, the, of the society. 
uh, with these clumsy, as we've been discussing uh, with ourselves before, uh, clumsy efforts uh, to introduce these uh, tax, new tax regimes and various other reforms, which has been uh, hitting quite heavily many people, uh, especially small and medium-sized enterprises. And uh, I think uh, on one side, the grievances of this uh, group of people on one side grew up to such a high level that uh, no fear of whatever process we're having now from the government uh, stop them from uh, protesting. On the other side, I think governments maybe understand that maybe, well, these are not necessarily so much political protests, but economic. Even though, as we've been discussing in our show today, there have been some references by President trying to highlight, well, that uh, when he yesterday addressed to traders in Dordor Bazaar that uh, you're protesting, but you're not knowing that you have been manipulating by third forces and those who are trying to organize another revolution, so forth and so forth. But it's, uh, I think it's just uh, uh, somehow a uh, custom rhetoric which has been developed by the government to refer by someone who is trying to overthrow the sitting government. Uh, but uh, I think to some extent they may be coming to a senses to understand that they need to somehow accommodate the real interests of people. And these interests are not so much political, but uh, social and economic. And in that sense, they have to listen to them. And to some extent, I was slightly maybe surprised to see yesterday President uh, coming and visiting personally the protesting protesters, uh, protesting traders in Dordo Bazaar. But similarly, it was also on one side a sign to uh, see and trying to accommodate people and don't understand them what is happening on the other side maybe it's uh, at least I was thinking in a joking manner in my mind that maybe president himself he is a longing for his past uh, contentious uh, part of his uh, biography when he was himself uh, heading various rallies and to talking from the central square to the government to him to whom he was opposing at some point of time but anyway i think with these protests of traders we're seeing something new which we haven't seen in the past few years thank you uh, i saw i want to get your opinion on that too especially since you know obviously a lot of things have been building up as mentioned the government has been successful at keeping protests pretty much shut down in the country but there's a lot of things that are going on in the country at the same time and clearly that are rubbing people the wrong way simple and, and kind of ridiculous things like changing the flag, right? A lot of people were against the idea of changing the flag. Is this stuff building up? I mean, did that play any role, do you think, in the protests at the bazaars? Uh, that, you know, this is, we're, we're starting, the pot is starting to boil a little bit. And this was an issue uh, that affected a lot of people. And so that's what caused the protest. Or do you think the, that this is a unique protest in the fact that it just simply was about bazaars and, and uh, markets and affected a lot of people? And it, it really is is divorced from politics entirely. Mm, okay. There are two things. So indeed, the government has been successful in clamping down and really shrinking all kind of alternative places of alternative thinking uh, and mobilizing. Um, there is, I mean, the government really managed to uh, to destroy opposition, whatever opposition existed before. It's constantly uh, destroying independent mass media. Um, it's attacking civil society and NGOs, and it's now even criminalizing uh, people simply posting and reposting something on social media. So on the one hand, people are simply afraid, like regular people are afraid now to speak up. Second of all, there is still a kind of discontent uh, within other segments of society, like about, for example, this initiate initiative 
to change the, the national flag uh, because that concerns really, really large amounts of people. And this touches upon questions of identity, sovereignty, citizen states uh, relationship. So it affects like really massive tons of people. So there is, you can see still discontent happening on uh, social media. Uh, people are speaking up about that. There was even a plan to, to rally against the change of national flag, but that was uh, quickly uh, demobilized by the government. And now you see uh, the bazaars. So on the one hand, it is quite logical that uh, small entrepreneurs, uh, they protest because it, the bazaar economy is their main income, right? But on the other hand, why this is, has been so successful, I mean, the protests, is because the bazaars are well organized, you know? So it's not only about the grievances, because grievances, lots of people in Kyrgyzstan, lots of different sectors of society and economy have grievances, right? But bazaars are quite well organized comparatively to other sectors of societies who have grievances but cannot organize themselves into collective action. Bazaars uh, have informal trade unions, they have self-organizations, and that's why they've been successful now, day by day, protesting and trying to uh, negotiate with the government. And that's why the administration is so afraid of them. Unlike the, uh, their position, which was very easy to dismantle, unlike civil societies, who are well organized, but they are so uh, demonized in uh, in the public discourses that they will not enjoy uh, their larger social public support. Uh, the bazaars have this kind of quite good, efficient self organization, and that's why they represent a major social force. That's why um, I think the administration right now is scared uh, about what to do next. That's why I think they allowed the largest bazaars like Dordo and Karasu not to follow the new tax regime. So there is a moratorium um, imposed on them. And uh, that's why I think right now they are threatening the elites behind, because they think that these are the elites who are organizing people, which is, of course, another mistake that they do. It's not the elites who are organizing people. People organize themselves. This is really a major um, significant social force. That's why I think uh, these protests are quite particular and quite singular compared to other protests in Kyrgyzstan that took place recently. Okay, thank you. Um, we're getting close to the end, so I'm going to give you both both a chance to say the final word. But uh, I'm curious if you could, in your final comments, um, if you could tell me, you know, I've been talking to people for a couple of years now about Japarov's government, and, and everyone says that, you know, that they still are popular. You know, the, the majority of the people, whether you like the government or not, the majority of the people in Kyrgyzstan support the government. Uh, this bizarre, the bizarre protests, uh, is, do you see this as a sign that uh, popularity is for that government is is reduced, dwindling any? I'll start with you, Medit. Well, because these protests are still ongoing, it's been just recent, it's a bit difficult to say whether the personal popularity of Jafarov diminishes or not, because uh, when someone watched his yesterday, uh, speech and interaction with traders in Dordor Bazar. On one side, he was trying to separate himself from the government, 
playing the political government, which has been doing in a clumsy way these reforms, and he himself is trying to be passionate and together with the people, and in that way trying to bolster his uh, populist regime by linking himself personally with common people, so to say, against uh, some elite within uh, the bureaucratic structure of his own government. So in that sense, I think he was trying to play this uh, kind of tune. And uh, people seemingly, at least uh, in that uh, traders' meeting, is trying also to play the same game, trying to show to him and saying to him, often affirm to him, not as a president, but this Ajo, like this uh, Kyrgyz way to say that he is the head of the government, uh, not head of government, but head of a country. And uh, in that sense, the interesting uh, they own uh, fate into his hands and he, they were supporting him during election and so forth and so forth. And in that sense, I think uh, that uh, difficult, maybe premature to say whether his uh, personal popularity will uh, diminish. And of course, it depends on the following steps, what will happen after these uh, protests, how this uh, temporary moratorium until uh, next uh, summer on the introduction of a uh, new tax system to the traders and uh, what will go further. And that will, of course, affect uh, how how uh, attitude of people will be shaped. But of course, people are not so stupid and they understand that it's uh, Japarov, meaning President Japarov, and the government, basically the same things. And uh, three years ago, the, not three, but uh, two years ago, basically, two and a half years ago, this constitutional reforms, many other changes, big changes in the country, has been mostly following the general goal that, well, let's centralize the power and make someone, one person responsible. And basically, one person responsible is the president himself. And now he basically bears the fruits of something which he already started uh, more than two years ago. That things become uh, not so well organized, not so smooth, and then uh, at some point uh, mistakes tend to t- get accumulated. And uh, the blame attribution cannot be spread across many things, uh, not to be geared towards the government, but also to him, to him personally as well. And in that sense, uh, the popularity depending on how things will go further, may become small and small and may diminish over time. Because it diminished seemingly over this coming two years, over the last sorry, two years, but uh, how quickly it goes further, it's, uh, we have yet to be seen. Because usually governments tend to accumulate mistakes and uh, many lucky things may turn out to be not so lucky in the coming future. So in that sense, uh, what we witnessed in the a uh, few last days and a week, last week, it's uh, maybe one of these uh, warning signs that the government uh, and personally, President Japarov maybe uh, will lose his uh, image of impeccability in the eyes of many people who have been previously supporting him. Bruce, over to you. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, so then uh, same thing for you. And, and, you know, Meta makes a good point here by reminding that uh, when they were changing the constitution and about to pass that, the J- president Japarov himself said, I'm responsible and I'll answer for everything from now on. So it's kind of strange that he kind of tried to put the bl- cast the blame over on the government. Do you see this as maybe a dent in his popularity going forward? Oh, no, I, I actually just on the contrary think that he is extremely ingenious in uh exploiting populist messages to stay in power. 
in the beginning, when he came to power in 2020, I was, I think, among many other local scholars who've been saying that there is an end to to his populism, that they cannot endlessly play with populist messages. But with these years, I see that how creative this government is. Um, every time you think they make mistakes, but then they come up with something new. So just recently, it, it was this uh, very moralist, moralistic struggle against prostitution, right? And kind of the government is, is ever creative, is inventing every time a new struggle to fight, to um, kind of to distract uh, the public attention away from the real problems. And every time there is something, a new topic which mobilizes public attention. That's, so I would say that this populism is kind of quite creative. And every time there is a new topic that is brought up to society, on the one hand. On the other hand, I think the government is simply well equipped technically right now um, uh, with the, the, the troll factories, right? This fake, uh, the, the fake machines that create fake news. If you look up um, just uh, these days the news about these bazaars, um, the videos and the, the comments beneath the videos, which every time uh, amounts to 1,000 comments, the majority of these comments, I'm pretty sure, are fake ones. They are paid and they really uh, kind of torpedo this, this protest. Um, they basically blame the, uh, the merchants as being irresponsible, as socially immoral, because they don't want to pay the taxes. They're trying to avoid taxes. They're not supporting the president in his fight against informal economy. So you can really see how this paid or fake uh, comments, uh, basically how they distort distort uh, their public uh, discourse and how they distort their reality. So in that regard, the government is really controlling the discourse right now. And since there is no opposition, uh, civil society and independent mass media are shrinking every day. There are no alternative uh, meaning making. There is no alternative source of reality. So um, I think quite a lot of quite large segments of population are living in these bubbles. Uh, which basically repeats uh, their governmental discourse, the the mantra, uh, the populist mantra, and plus the government is creating every day new enemies of society to fight. So uh, first it was the, the rich people to fight. No, first it was Sentera, Kumtor, but also rightly so. But then the rich people to fight. Now it was organized crime. Lately it was prostitution. Tomorrow it's going to be something new. So part of society is living in these bubbles. And I don't know when um, and how it will be uh, it will be possible to get out of these bubbles. Um, so it's we're really living in this post-truth period, um, and Kyrgyzstan is a very good example of that. Okay, thank you. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, um, but, but uh, who knows? With Kyr The one thing about Kyrgyzstan is you can't take your eye off it for a second because something is always changing. So uh, I'm sure I'm probably going to have you both back on the show pretty soon. But for now, uh, thank you, Asel, and thank you, Medit, for being on the program. And thank you, as always, to Nathan Shoemaker, our Medley's podcast producer in Washington, D.C., 
And a reminder, you can subscribe to the Medjolice Podcast or the Central Asian Focus Newsletter by visiting Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty's website at rfrl.org. Thank you much, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye.